0: Amen. Welcome. Thank you, worship team. That was, was good. It's good to be back in the house, right? For, for a lot of us, this may be your first time. Some of you have been here with us for a few weeks. We thank you for that. My name is Jason Dunbar. I am the youth and young adult pastor here at Woodburn Baptist. Some of you know me. Some of you um, might not recognize me because I grew up over quarantine. I grew a beard. Um, yeah. Let's, you don't understand. I mean, all my life <laughs> I have been trying and it always ends up looking like I have some kind of a, um, a skin disease or something that it won't grow in. And um, so I thought, well, nobody's going to see me during quarantine. I'll try it out again. And God blessed me with a beard finally. Um, but, of course, we have to wear a mask and nobody can see it. So it kind of jokes on me, I guess. But you guys are lucky. You get to check it out today. So um, speaking of masks. Do um, anybody have a, any phobias? You probably know where I'm going with this, but anybody have phobias, weird phobias? Some of you do. Um, I have a phobia. I've had it most of my life. I remember the moment that this started, and I won't bore you with that story, but a very traumatic childhood experience uh, with someone in a costume. But um, anything that's covering somebody's face... I, just, I just don't like it. Uh, clowns or something. It, Disney is like just, you know, a war zone for me. I don't enjoy people with costumes on that cover their mask, and I don't really know why, as far as like what the fear is. But, I mean, you just don't know what's going on back there. You know, somebody's looking at you, or you don't know if they're looking at you. Are they smiling at you? Are they talking to you? Are they mad at you? And then now we've got these masks, and, of course, we can see each other's eyes. But I can't tell if you're smiling. Are you smiling at me? Are you mad at me? Are you sticking your tongue out at me? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So every day I'm walking out the front door into my living nightmare uh, with masks on. And so that's just the world that we live in right now. And um, I guess I have to deal with it. Um, I know know we we need to wear them, so I wear them. But... um, I don't enjoy it, but I'm glad that we can actually come and be together in spite of everything that's going on. I actually wrote this sermon back in January uh, before our world has, you know, kind of changed so much in the last several months, Uh, but it's so much, I mean, it was relevant then, God, God knew, but it's so relevant today because of what's going on and what we're kind of experiencing. But when I was thinking this through... I just kept coming back to the fact that our world has just continued to get smaller and smaller uh, through technology, really. You know, once technology kind of took off with the Internet and, um, and then texting and, and all of that just kind of spiraled, our, our, our world just suddenly became smaller and smaller. With, with social media, that was kind of the big game changer right there with social media because we could suddenly create relationships with people across, across the globe instantly, Right immediately. Now, whether or not those relationships are healthy, I don't know. We can go into that another day. But we can talk to people across the globe and share our interests, our hobbies, our, our you know things that are important important to us. We can share those things. And then, of course, we can understand and learn from other people about their cultures and about their hobbies, about their interests, about things that are important to them. And, and we do this so much that we don't stop to actually Think about the impact of that and the value behind that because, you know, these things are not bad. It's, technology is not always bad. We tend to be afraid of technology and new things sometimes, but it's not always a bad thing, right? There's so much good that can come from all of these different things. And, and the, the great part about these opportunities that we have to share with each other is that we can also share needs, Right? We, we have needs, and, and a lot of times they, those go unspoken because there's just nobody close, especially in a pandemic. You know, we, we're alone a lot of times. Uh, but we can get online and get on social media and share our concerns. We can see the concerns of others. We can reach out. We can help. And, and that's kind of what we're designed a, as humans to do. Uh, it tells us that God, God's Word tells us in Genesis that we were created in God's image, right? And so we have these these innate attributes of God that are hardwired into us. They're just built into us. And one of those is the fact that we should care for those who are in need, for those who are hurting, those who are are struggling. Uh, But the thing is, Satan doesn't want us to unite for anything positive. So he takes anything that has anything good to it and, and twists it into something negative and twists it into something that it n- wasn't initially intended to be. He twists all, neg- all positives into negatives. And the fact that we could share you know, wisdom and, and share our interests with people across the world has been twisted to now we don't know what to believe and what not to believe. The fact that we could build relationships with people around the world has been twisted and now we don't really know who we're talking to or what their intentions might be. The fact that we could rally behind a good cause has been twisted, and now good causes aren't always good for everyone. So Satan loves to take our world and turn it upside down and turn any positive into ammunition against God, any, any opportunity that we have to share him with those around us. And so the, the, the reality is that everybody has an agenda. We, we sometimes don't think that we have an agenda, but we all have an agenda, whether we share it or not or whether we even think about it very much, we have an agenda. And it's easier now than ever before to push those agendas, right? We can just kind of sit there at our keyboard and, and push whatever it is that we want to push. And the thing is... We have so much coming at us, right? There is so much information out there. It's exhausting to kind of filter through it. And, and, and we see a piece of information, and, and it's shaped in a way that kind of pulls at our heartstrings, and, and we think, well, we've got to come to this person's aid. We've got to help this cause. We've got to jump on board. We've got to do something. And then before long, it becomes a revolution. But the thing is, the actions that follow aren't always what should be. Uh, back in 2014, um, you may remember this story. The, a lady named Cynthia, she was from Canada, and she, had, she claimed to have this rare neurological disease. And it has, it's extraordinarily rare, and it had some catastrophic side effects. She had convinced her loved ones and her family and those close to her that she had already overcome organ failure, that she had already overcome a massive stroke, all before they realized that none of this was true. But in the process of that, she garnered sympathy. She went online, created a GoFundMe account, and she raised over $126,000. And it was all just so she had some money because she was not ill at all. Uh, She later admitted to it and and was charged with fraud. But the thing is, there was a need. Again, as humans, we are drawn to, to help those in need. And... People jumped on board. Hundreds of people gave money to help her because they thought she had a need, but she was deceiving. Satan took what is built in us and twisted it and created something negative out of it. The thing is, we have a lot of great causes in our world, right? Um, and and the, the, the important thing is that everything that we do should be a reflection of Christ, um, and it, it was no fault of those people who helped her. They did the right thing, right? They did the right thing. She was the one who was in the wrong in that situation. But they missed out on other opportunities that those resources could have gone to some people who actually needed them. And so when we think about needs, we tend to right now, I guess politics kind of is a big hot a button issue. Um, We have an election in, what, less than 100 days. And so everything tends to be politically charged right now, whatever it happens to be, because everybody wants their opinion, their agenda to be forefront and center. And so it seems like the days of a a candidate just running on, on what they stand for, those days are over. Now it seems like everybody's vying for a leg up Everybody's vying for your vote. Everybody's vying to, to win you over. And we end up being kind of like these pawns in this game of chess that's going on. And, and, and so everybody's a little bit on edge. Everybody's a little bit charged. And the thing is, we're passionate about politics, right? We are passionate because we want things to, do, to go well. We want our country to be healthy. We want people to be taken care of. And we want positive things. And so what I want to talk to you guys about tonight is how do we live in this world where almost every topic that you can come up with is polarizing? And how do we live in this world where we can still be in this world and and, and be Jesus? How do we make a difference politically? How do we make a difference in someone's life, just person to person, in this world where, again, almost anything you say and do can be twisted? We should be able to share our opinions. As believers, we should be able to come to church and share our opinions and not be offended if someone doesn't agree with us. We should talk about it more probably in church than we do. It's just that it's, it's, it's fearful to talk about things right now because we don't want things to be twisted. So I want to ask you two questions as we kind of move into this. The first one is, are you willing or are we willing to put our faith in front of our politics? Are we willing to put our faith in front of our politics? And two, are we willing to see the world through our faith and not through our political opinions? And that's difficult. So essentially what I'm asking you, are we willing to be, are you willing to be a Christ follower first and a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, an Independent second? Second? Are you willing to do that? And now I'm not saying as believers that we shouldn't be political. It's exactly the opposite. I would love if every one of you in this room ran for an office and made something happen and made some changes. We need more firm believers in office. So I'm not saying don't run and I'm not saying don't be involved in politics, but our politics and our opinions tend to be the forefront as opposed to our belief and our faith And that's essentially what I want us to kind of look at today. We're going to be looking at John chapter 13, if you want to go ahead and turn there. A passage that you guys are all very familiar with, I'm sure. And this is, you know, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper. And this is where we're at the point in the story where Jesus has already, they've already partaken of the Lord's Supper, and he has called Judas out, and Judas has left. And now he is left with his firm disciples, and he is telling them, okay, this is what you do from this point on on. This is where the the rubber hits the road, essentially. And so he picks up in chapter 13. This is Jesus speaking, verse 34. He says, so now I am giving you a new commandment, love each other. Now, pause there for just a second. What's the word he used? Commandment, right? He didn't say, I would love for you to, I would encourage you to, I hope that you will. No, he said, I command you. We tend to kind of kind of wash over that because we think that we are loving as believers. That's what we're called to do. I love them. I don't really like them, but I love them. Well, that's not what we're called to do. We are commanded and called to love. And then he goes on, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So he set the example. This is how you do it. I'm commanding you to do it. This is how you do it. You look at my life. You look at the life of Jesus and, and follow suit. And then he goes on, your love... For one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Um, You know, when we see a need, we should help. Period. That's just that's just what it is. That's how we are to be as believers. This is how God created us to be. Again, He hardwired in us a desire to make things right, a desire to help those in need. We tend to call it a conscience. People call it a conscience. Who? That's just the word that we land on, I guess. And it's that kind of that feeling or that voice, the Holy Spirit. That's leading you to do the right thing, to say the right thing, to take care of this need that's in front of you. And so when something that doesn't line up, when we face something that doesn't line up with how we're wired, it should alert our conscience that we do something right, that we say something right, that we fix something, that we make this wrong into a right. And then when we see this injustice or we're made aware of this injustice and we begin to act to make things right, it's going to begin to alert the conscience of those around you. And that's when real change can be made, not because we get fired up about an issue. It's when we actually allow God to lead and we follow suit. And so we should be bothered by injustice. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6, you don't have to turn there, but in Galatians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, Paul says, "'Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ.'" If you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love how Paul's just blunt right there. He just, he just tells it like it is. We are no more important. You are no more important. I am no more important than the person sitting next to you or the person sitting across the world right now. We are all equal in God's eyes, and he, he is here and there and everywhere for all of us. And so we should be bothered when we see someone disrespected, whether it's on purpose or accident. We should be bothered when we see people that are heading for disaster, whether that's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. We should be bothered when children are suffering. We should be bothered when, when there is injustice in front of us. We should be bothered when someone's health is at risk. We should be bothered when our society and when our culture is moving away from Christ. We should be bothered enough to move to action. And so this is where we have the issue, right? Being a believer, most of us as believers, we can see a need and, and, and we may get passionate about it or at least we're bothered by some kind of injustice. But it's those next steps that really make the difference, right? How we respond, how we act, and how we seek to make that wrong a right. It, it, it goes back to this commandment that Jesus gives us to love each other as he loved. He gave us the example. He gave us the the kind of blueprint that we need to follow. And so we too often allow anger to guide us. We too often allow situational pressure to guide us. I'm guilty of this way, way more than I should be. Uh, We end up saying or doing something that actually might end up causing more harm or causing harm in a totally different situation that didn't exist in the first place. But here's the problem. We see the world from our own perspective. Everybody has a perspective. You might be familiar with Miles Law, but Miles Law says this, where you stand depends on where you sit. Where you stand depends on where you sit. There's a picture that's going to come up here. If you take a look at this photo, you see that, and you should have immediate concern for that person, right? That it looks like this person is, is in danger and, and potentially could be really hurt. So when you see a situation like that, it, it should draw some kind of a, a feeling within you of concern. But then we see another picture that looks like this, and it just looks like a couple guys goofing off, Right? So a completely, two completely different conclusions were drawn from the exact same situation. It's just flipped. and The only difference in this whole scenario is your perspective. It's the absolutely only difference. The situation is exactly the same, but the only difference is your perspective. Where you sit is the context of your life. Where you sit is defined by where you were raised, how you were raised, your family that you grew up with, your friends that you experienced, your financial situation growing up, the the media that you were exposed to, the the tragedies maybe that you experienced, all of those things come together to define and, and create the context. And that's where you sit. And then where you stand, where you stand is the impact or the change that you're seeking to make right? That's where you stand. And so many people might be seeking to stand in the same thing. They might be trying to make the same impact, but they're sitting in different places. So their actions look different. Their approach is differently, not because they don't believe the same things or not because they don't agree, but because they just see it differently. Just because someone doesn't see a situation the same way that you do does not mean that they are against your view or they oppose your view. It probably just means they've experienced it differently than you. And and please don't miss this, because just because someone experiences something differently than you, it doesn't mean that they don't necessarily agree with you, and it doesn't mean that they don't support you. It just means that they might need help seeing it from your perspective, seeing it from where you sit. So the thing is, everybody in this room has experienced life vastly different. It, it, it might be that you grew up with, with, with each other, and so you've kind of seen and, and experienced some of the same things, but there's still a difference in you. There's a difference in, in the way you were raised. There's a difference in your family, your family's political beliefs. There's a difference in maybe cultures. There's a difference in, in the tragedies that you experienced or the celebrations that you enjoyed. But all of those things impact the way each individual responds. Just because someone doesn't agree with you doesn't make them right or you wrong. It just means that there are things to be learned from both sides. And, and, and so, I know that was a long introduction, but there's three things that I want us to kind of just really kind of to sit on tonight. Simple, just three simple things in order to help us to understand how, because we live in a world today, right, where everything we say and everything we do can hold a lot of power, and it can hold a lot of impact for whoever we say it or do it to. So we need to make sure that every opportunity that we have to speak or to act reflects Christ. And so the first thing, in order to keep the new commandment that Jesus gave us to love one another, we have to listen. That is the very first thing is that we need to listen. Because we are only able to see what is right in front of us, right? That's our context where we sit. And so we need other people to help us to see what's around us, what's behind us, what's, what's all on either side of us. We need people to help us to see those things. We can only see things through the lens of our context. And so until our context is kind of expanded on, that's all we'll ever see. You know, it, so it's, it's really important for us to listen to people who are not like us. Because if you keep going back to the same people that you grew up with, nothing wrong with them, but they see things very similar to the way you do. So you're just sifting through the same information that you've been sifting through all of your life. But we need to listen to people who are nothing like us in order to, to, to experience and, and to see how they see the world. We need to, to listen to people who are non-believers to understand their context. We need to listen to people who are from different cultures. We need to listen to people of all ages, young, old, and everywhere in between. We need to listen to people who are both straight and gay. We need to listen to people who are pro-life and anti-life. We need to listen to people who are pro-military, anti military It doesn't mean that you agree with them, but in order to reach them, you need to understand where they sit. So if you truly value the opportunity to reach someone for Christ, you need to be able to reach them where they sit. Jesus didn't expect everybody to come to him fresh and shiny and clean. He expected to just go to them wherever they were in whatever kind of distress, whatever kind of bad situations they were in. He went straight to them in their context where they sat. So we have to listen. And then along with that listening is to learn. You know, you can listen all day, but until you learn from it, it is useless. And this is for everybody. This is for all sides, if you want to call it sides. Um, everybody has something to learn from everybody else. You know, I think sometimes as believers that we are afraid to hear a differing opinion because it might shake what we've always believed, Right? And let's be really honest, if, if, if we're afraid to hear another opinion about Jesus, then maybe that's because our faith is still right here on the surface, and we haven't really kind of jumped into the relationship with God. Because if you read this, if you look into who this is all about, Jesus, he is absolutely unchanging. His resurrection is, is unchanging. It happened. It's in the history books. It's real. So learning some new opinions about Jesus is not going to change who Jesus is. It's just going to give you insight into that person's context and give you an opportunity to maybe reach them. I think that we need to make sure that we are not cutting off opportunities just because we are afraid to hear a different opinion. You know, when it comes to learning, we, we all went to school and we all, you know, had to get new information kind of brought to us on a daily basis. And, and if we choose to kind of sift through that and not accept any of it, it's pointless, right? We need that new information so that now we can approach a situation with more information, with that we can approach it with, with opportunities to make a better informed decision. Because the thing is, learning is not always agreeing. Just because you learn where someone sits and how they see something, it doesn't mean that you agree with them. It just allows you to have information you previously didn't have. And, and And allows you to now have an opportunity to make a more informed decision, you know politically speaking, we are very on edge. we're very you know nervous to to hear other opinions because we don't want to to be shaken or maybe we just have a little bit of anger towards that. but it seems to be a little bit more sensitive, some topics are super sensitive, and we don't want to talk about those and so we want our opinions to be heard, and so we just speak louder, right? We want to be louder because we want to be heard. But the problem is everybody wants to be heard, and everybody is louder. And if everybody's loud, you can't hear anybody. And and we can't listen if we can't hear. And we, if we can't hear, we can't learn. And so the thing is, we have to understand is that we're not living in a world of crazy people. I know we see things online that may We make us think otherwise, but Democrats are not crazy. Republicans are not crazy. Independents are not crazy, but they sit in a different place. So they see and approach things very differently. And if all we can do is say, I don't know how they think that way, or I don't know how they don't understand how I see this. I don't know how they could even believe that. The problem is those first three words that you just said is I don't know. So know it. Why do they think that way? Why do they feel so strongly about that? It doesn't mean that you agree with them. But if you understand why they feel that way, you might have an opportunity to reach them for Christ. And so we have to sift through information in order to find what is true and what is not. But we can't be afraid of learning new things because it might result in us thinking a little bit differently a couple years ago, I guess it was two summers ago, we went to Honduras. We took a mission trip to Honduras to see Trisha and Kelly. A lot of you know them. And um, in that that week that we were there, they have several acres that, uh, of the property there, and they've been kind of working on it and, and clearing some stuff out and working on some buildings. So they took us on a tour out into the into the woods and the brush, and there were several plants with lots of fruits and things like that. But one of the most interesting one that we came across was a jackfruit tree? I don't know if it was a tree or a bush, whatever it was. And some of you will probably know what a jackfruit is, but they actually have them at Meijer sometimes. I don't know what jackfruit season is, but um, keep an eye out for jackfruit. But it's like a big, green, odd-shaped, um, pokey-looking little, or not little, big thing. Yeah, the one that we found was like two basketballs put together. It was pretty large. Um, but it's really it has a really sweet taste to it, if you've ever tried a jackfruit. But the thing is, Kelly, we brought this back, and Kelly was cutting it open for us after supper, And he was just, he had gloves on. He was telling us, you have to be really careful. There's a membrane inside this that is super sticky. And it's not like sticky, like you go wash your hands later and come off. It's like you need to get the turpentine out. It is super sticky. And it takes forever to get that off. And the thing is, you know, he was telling us all this. And he was even telling the teenagers. And they were like, okay, I won't touch it. But I was thinking, you know, I've seen sticky fruits before. It can't be that it's, you know, he's probably exaggerating. Um, the context of my life tells me that that's not really the case. So I'm gonna see how sticky this is. So I stick my hand in it and I immediately regret doing that because it took forever to get that off of my hands. It was the stickiest substance I have ever had on my hands and it was like Gorilla Glue. It would not come off and it wouldn't dry. It was just there. And so I immediately regretted that. And, and the thing is, I, I quickly learned that my context where I sit did not prepare me to make the best informed decision in this situation. You know, so we have to listen to what people are saying, and then we have to learn that information and how we can apply that and how that is going to help us make a better informed decision. Um, And then the last thing is probably the most important or is the most important is to love. And it's, you know, we can listen and learn and make decisions all day long, but if those decisions are not based in love, then we fall short. Those decisions fall short. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 to do everything with love. You know He emphasizes love. I know we, we tend to use that word love so much that it, it becomes almost, it, it loses its meaning, it loses its power. But it is the most powerful emotion and gift that God has given us is the ability to love one another. And I think we tend to forget also, that Christ died for all of us, right? You know, I, we, as believers, we talk about, yes, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. God, he did, Christ died for me on the cross, and we, we hold that, and that's extremely valuable because it is very personal, and that's our personal relationship, but we also need to realize that he did that for every single one of you and every single person in this world, He did that for the person that's spewing hatred just as much as he did that for you. He did that for the person who has done unthinkable things just as much as he's done that for you. And so if he can love them knowing every flaw that they've ever had, then the least we can do is love them knowing every flaw we have. Our responsibility, especially in this culture right now that we live in where things are very charged, politically and socially, is to make sure that our divided nation and our divided world has an opportunity to see what it looks like to love like Jesus loves. And, and we can show them that it's possible to disagree politically and still come together, you know, for, for, for good things and still come together and pray for unity in our nation We don't all have to agree we won't because, again, we have different contexts. We sit in different places. But Jesus died for you, he died for me, and he died for every single person on this planet. So how do we live in this world where everything we say and do could make an impact on somebody's eternal life? We listen to them. We show them that we respect them and we love them enough to listen and care about where they sit. We learn from them. We learn that, okay, this is why they feel so passionately about that. This is why this is important to them. And then we love them. Again, we don't have to agree. We don't have to support every cause that every person stands up for. But we do have to love them. That is what we're called to do. We are called to love. And until we do that we're going to continue on this same path that we're on. Don't you guys want to have normalcy again? Don't we want to have a world where we can walk out our front door and just greet each other and smile and and wave and, and, and feel love between complete strangers? I do. And so we're called to do that. We're called to love. Because honestly, our ultimate goal should never be to have our political views or our opinions heard. Our ultimate goal should be to proclaim the name of Jesus and love like he loves. That is it. It's simple. And I didn't say anything profound tonight that you've never heard or that you have, that, that will shatter, that's earth shattering. I just said, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to hear the basics again because we, we, we want to complicate things. And we have so much to sift through right now that we need to realize, hey, I just need to listen, learn, and love. And hopefully and prayerfully, when we do that, we'll have opportunities to reach people for Christ. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. I thank you that you loved us first. I thank you that you gave us the perfect blueprint, the perfect example of love. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to learn about different people and and where they come from and what's going on in their lives. And I pray for opportunities to, to get to know where people sit So that we can love on them in ways that are special and meaningful to them, God. I pray for opportunities to show you to individuals, to groups, to people. And that we can begin to heal this nation in your name, God. Just teach us as individuals and personally how to love like you love, God. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen.